Welcome to Tales of Crisis, episode 17, with myself, your host, Martin Swaffield, and today I'm joined by a special guest returning, uh, Aaron Collier from Web Warrior Protocols. Good evening, Aaron. Uh, how are you doing, mate? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Just, just had a couple of games at uh, Boarding Brum today, and then I've just jumped on this as well, so it's uh, been a productive day. Excellent. Always good to get some more games in. Indeed, definitely <laughs> worth getting the reps in, regardless of how many you've already got. I, th- I think you're near the top of most people, but yeah, you can always get more in. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So today we're going to cover a few bits and pieces. So we're going to go through the changes um, of what's happened to Web Warrior Protocols since Aaron was last on, which I think was around the turn of the year. Um, and then we're going to go through, we've had some new models and we've had some new cards revealed. So we're going to go through those. And then where the main thing is we're going to talk about um, the other weekend where we were at another two day event down at Boards and Swords in Derby. So we'll start off with web warrior protocols a lot's been happening what's been going on so yeah so i've not been putting out any content i think it's coming up to a month now without any content um which is mainly because of making a sort of soft transition into doing youtube as well as just a blog so previously i was just doing the um sort of written articles and written posts there's uh, over 100 now over on the site and the talk about different things so event write-ups, character reviews, sort of uh, roster building decisions and whatnot. But more recently, as I said, I've been building a sort of YouTube studio, um, which is a posh way of saying I've been renovating my old bedroom at my granddad's to have a gaming setup where I'll be able to stream. So that's what's been happening behind the scenes with Web Warrior Protocols at the minute. Sounds amazing. And how's that going? Nice and smooth? Everything going well? Um, I wish I could say that the answer to that was yes. However, um, I've been joined by the amazing John, um, who is sort of joining me on this endeavour to move over to YouTube and record some battle reports. And we stripped all of the walls ready to paint them. And we were like, this this paint on the bottom seems really thick. And we, we tried to get some of it off and we are like, no, it's definitely paint. So we painted over it all and lo and behold, it started to peel off. Turns out there was a hidden layer of wallpaper. Uh, so we had to restrip everything again, go out and buy another set of paint, another set of rollers, and then repaint it all again. So that's um, that's been quite fun, yeah, doing all of that. The curse of wallpaper. Yeah, it, it seems that way. I think it's uh, the universe getting its revenge, seeing as I always strip my models. <laughs> uh, come back around to haunt me, and I've had to strip these walls after painting them as well. Fair enough. And so what what are you planning on putting on the YouTube channel? Have you got that sorted out yet, or are you just going to see what works? So, um, obviously, in an ideal world, I'd be able to plan it all out, go into it, know exactly what I want to do, and it would be great. I'd get thousands of views, and it'd be brilliant. The realistic version of that is I'll probably do the first few battle reports, get some feedback, take that all on board, and then move from there and see what kind of content people like. Obviously, I know the kind of content I like as a consumer, but it's always relevant to the person and, and the sort of uh, viewer base, isn't it? What people Absolutely. like and how they like it to be presented. So, sort of taking it step by step. As I said, the first few videos will just be battle reports. Um, I'd like to do some stuff where we get guests on, so we have people travel up to record. As like I said, it is a proper recording studio space. Um, 
So ideally, I'd like to get people like yourself, uh, Rich from Rich Mid Gaming and other content creators up and do some reports and just take it from there and see see what we can produce and make for the community to view, really. Sounds absolutely fantastic. I'd definitely be up for uh, coming down for uh, a battle report one weekend um, when you get it up and running. Hopefully yeah, you're a bit more successful than we've been because I painted my shed to do exactly the same thing what, in January. And I think we're going to record our first uh, battle report tomorrow. First attempt oh. anyway. So hopefully oh. it's not such a lag between you actually getting it painted and getting those battle reports uh, recorded and up and out. Yeah, well, whilst you're recording tomorrow, Johnny's uh, joining me. We're recording a podcast with Will from House Party Protocols first, and then hopefully the plan is to get all the painting finished, all the gaps in the walls filled, and have it ready to start getting the terrain done. We've already had the table delivered and custom-made by a friend of mine, which was amazing, sort of donated to the channel, which, you know, is exactly the kind of thing that helped to get these things up and running. Absolutely. Um, So... It's looking like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel now that we've got past all the layers of wallpaper. Awesome. Whilst you haven't been putting out any blogs, your event calendar is still relatively up to date, is it not? Yes, yeah, so I was uh, updating that yesterday. I did a little bit of it today. It, it, it's kind of difficult to keep it exactly up to date as obviously I'm limited to what events I see yep. and sort of pages that I follow. So what I do ask is that people um send the details for this um that's another thing i'm going to be making a short video about is sort of how to get events onto the events calendar so basically the information i need from people in order to put them on there it is uh relatively up to date though like you said and i do aim to keep it as up to date as possible excellent so if anybody's looking for events in their local or if they're prepared to travel a little bit further go check it out and that um should be able to give you a good indication of what's going on yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, all of the Boarding Brum events are on there. Um, I've now managed to get all of the events for the rest of the year from Boards and Swords Hobbies on there. Um, AMP has been an absolute gem and helping me get the ProTech, uh, ProTech Games events up on there. And Tony, of course, from Elements, making sure that I get all of their ones on there. So it's starting to get to a point where I know who I need to get in touch with to find out what's happening and what events we have coming up. Absolutely. And um, we know that the bearded car trader ones that we normally go to up here are on a slight uh, hiatus at the moment as he's moving shop. So once they start back up again and the new location is confirmed, I'll I'll send you those details as well and stick them on. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And is this the end of the blog? Are you going to go back to doing blog articles once you're up and running? Is that a TBC? Uh, once the YouTube's up and running, I'll definitely still do some blog articles um, alongside the YouTube. One of the things I'd really like to do is be able to produce blog articles and then have uh, audio versions or video versions to go alongside them, just because yep. I know some people prefer, obviously, to get their hobby fixed that way and consume the content in, in that way rather than the written material. Um, it's definitely not the end of the blog, and I definitely will be doing more posts for it but it will not be once a day as it was at one point i don't think ah makes sense you can't can't do everything all at once so good to spread um, it across formats 
Web Warrior Protocols is just me at the minute still. Um, John is a massive help and will be helping with the YouTube. But it is difficult to make sure that I'm doing articles that I'm happy with and producing them. So I'd rather produce a lot less of, ho- of what I think at least is better content rather than just trying to push it out so that there's more out there. Yeah, you don't want to just spam it with just, just for the sake of it, do you? No, not at all. And um, one of the other things that, that's happened as well behind the scenes is I um, finished applying for and launching a Patreon, Patreon account to go alongside the site. Uh, obviously, I'm not really advertising it. It's usually at the minute as I'm not producing any content. I have got some followers on there, which is already great, and some subscribers. And then once the YouTube is up and running, I'll be able to push that a little bit more as well. Excellent. So if people want to uh, do the Patreon, is it just Web Warrior Protocols again? Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. Web Warrior Protocols, and there are four different tiers over on there. So there's one that's just sort of like your baseline, Symbiote subscriber, I think it's a pound a month, and then it goes all the way up to the King in Black, which is the sort of highest tier where you can get uh, one-to-one list building and roster building and games on TTS. And each, every single tier also gives you access to the uh, Illuminati Patreon as well. Excellent. Oh, and it's worth mentioning um, the Illuminati Invitational events that are hosted by Web Warrior Protocols. If you are the what well, if if you subscribe at the King in Black level, then you get fifty percent off of all tickets for any events hosted by Web Warrior Protocols as well. Definitely worth it if you're somebody who wants to yeah. continue yeah. going to those. Which the, yeah. the one I went to was awesome. Right. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we've got the next one booked in for October. So if you're a King and King Black subscriber, I think across the year I'm aiming to run at least four events. So it, it, it will help with that a little bit and sort of obviously I'm very grateful for the sub- subscription as well. Excellent. So go check that out, people. Definitely worth uh, checking out and where you can um, signing up to the Patreon. And if you haven't checked out Web Warrior Protocols, it is uh just web warrior protocols or one word.com yeah excellent so as i mentioned before um we have had some new models shown we, we've had two from black order and we've had two from asgard uh, so black swan and supergiant from black order and we had scourge and heimdall from uh, asgard we have also then had some panel to play and it feels like a long time since we previously had anything uh, panel to play details out so it does seem like there's been quite a gap but we've had two what are your initial thoughts on the two new black order um so quite interestingly i've got a few friends who are over in the gaming hall right now as we speak playing with the new characters i just watched um, a couple of them be used under Black Order, and they're definitely bringing a new aspect to the way that they play, um, mainly with the fact that you can now sort of go Black Order affiliated um, and not bring Thanos, which is definitely interesting to see. Uh, we know that there's going to be a new leadership um, in their box, which I assume will be tied to the first of the Black Order tactics cards, so that will help with if you don't want to bring Thanos. But from what I've already seen, it seems to be very strong. Um, I think is it? Um, give me one sec. I can I can't remember a name. Not Black Swan. Supergiant. Um, Supergiant. So Supergiant is 
one of the most interesting characters we've seen so far, I think, because she's just so completely different in the way that she acts and her mechanics to all the other characters. Yeah. Um, so definitely interesting to see her on the table and the way that she works and the things that she brings to the team. Absolutely. So if we start with Black Swan, because that was the first one that was shown. So Black Swan, um, I won't go through it all in too much detail, but a high level, four threat, but can take the power gem. So could go yep. up to five. Um, pretty standard defense for a four threat, four, four, three, six health. So, you know, solid, but not amazing. Um, yep. The strike, five dice physical with a push on the wild. Again, seems relatively good for a, a four threat. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning as well. It, it is a size four push. Yes. Um, which you know, we don't have many of those anymore after sort of the uh, the uh, the retcon. Is that the 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 right word? Sort of the changing yeah. of all the characters. Um. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So that's a it's a it's a good push for those um, playing against the size four. I beam, which is unfortunately not a beam which i know seem i think that's going to catch a few people out um, yeah, it, seems, it seems very confusing we actually had that ourselves earlier on yeah you just assume that it's going to be a beam but it's not yeah. uh, it is range three five dice and it costs one power that one is energy and i suppose that the key thing there is that one gives out the incinerate special condition no matter what so it's not if you do damage you don't have any special triggers you're just automatically handing out incinerate um yeah. Very strong in Black Order. Yes, exactly. When you just want to kill things, giving incinerate is great and pierce on the wild. Um, and then the the last one attack, which is the spender, really uh, eight dice four uh, cost. Everything dies. It's yeah. got a couple of triggers. So a throw on the wild. Um, again, no um, size limitation on that throw at all. Yeah. So, so you can fuck around on my move, you wish. Absolutely, be excellent. Uh, it is only short throw, but that seems to be standard off most attacks. Um, and then on a hit, you get a follow-up. So basically, you get to do the I-beam. Interestingly, it's on the hit, which on eight dice, you should be relatively comfortable getting. Not always guaranteed yeah. in this game, but... It's surprising that that's the sort of trigger that they chose yeah. to give to both of those. Especially when you look at Corvus, who his spender, which is death blow, um, now needs a wild and a shield for his flurry. So the fact that she gets a flurry of sorts on a hit is very interesting. Absolutely. And it is interesting to note that the, the trigger gives you the I-beam, which is range three. But because you've got the throw, you could potentially throw them outside of range three. Um but you still get your I-beam because it does say yep. ignores range and line of sight. So even if you throw them then outside of three off of the everything dies, you still can do the follow-up. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a very strong attack because um, you're almost almost guaranteeing 14 dice, I suppose, across the two attacks. Um, I'll, I'll be very surprised if it comes up often that you don't manage to hit the follow-up attack. Absolutely. Um, and if you haven't killed them by the end of it all, they have got incinerate and they've probably been thrown yeah. out of position. So, um, yeah. I don't think we mentioned it either, but I-Beam carries on sort of the tradition of Proxima and uh, Corvus, which is that the Black Order characters all have attacks that have Pierce. Um, so that in itself is very strong at range three. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
So a good a good set of attacks. Then she's got a standard two power charge. Yep. Then we've got I'm going to skip Midnight Field for now because that's the interesting one. Telepathic suggestion. So essentially for one power you can do the spider foe leadership. So you can make them re-roll one of their defense dice, which I think is excellent. Yeah, it's very strong, and I think um, doubling down and taking her in spider foes is going to be very, very powerful. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you've got potentially on that I-beam the pierce, so you're already taking one away, then you make them re-roll, and then you can make them re-roll again. Yeah, it's right. yeah. potentially, potentially remove three of the defense doors. Yes. In a game where you only generally have three defense doors initially. Yeah. He's super strong. Um, and then we've got Midnight Field, which is another interesting one. So this one, again, it's X power and you do it in the modified dice step. Yeah. Um, and it's essentially um, Modoc. So you ignore their, you turn their wilds into blanks. Yeah, what what's interesting, as you said, is this is sort of what Modoc has, but it's so so powerful because you don't need to use it if you've already blocked everything. So you sort of save the power that you would be spending there. Obviously, it's not as good as having it innately, but um, the fact that you you can wait and see and then decide, and Absolutely. you can almost control. Um, the power that you'll be getting as well because if if you only need say one extra power you can modify the dot in a way that you get the power you want and take the damage you want if that makes sense yes so you've got that chance there to to really look at it work it out and decide what you want to yeah. do um and yeah i was just checking modoc modoc does change them to blanks i thought he just classed them as failures but yeah so again the likes of as very few in the game corvus I am a god, Loki. Yeah. Can't think of anybody else who counts blanks as successes in attack. Think of anyone else off the top of my head. Um, but it's it's worth noting as well that this gives you the option to turn off um, triggers, really, doesn't it, when you're being attacked? So Absolutely. if a character, a flurry, for example, you can just go, yeah, I don't actually want you to be doing that, and uh, turn off the world and suddenly it's gone. There's so many triggers off a wild. Yeah. That seems to be the the standard. Yeah, that that I think that's the intention of having the wild, isn't it? Sort of that's what opens up these crazy special effects that you get on different attacks. Yep. So overall, very solid, very killy. Do you see her being taken with the power gem or without? So from what I've seen in the two two and a half games where I've seen her played so far she is very power hungry just because you the charge obviously it's a great superpower and if you can use it every turn you're going to want to use it every turn yeah uh, the same with telepathic suggestion if you're attacking then generally you're going to want to make them reroll defense doors um and midnight field you, you need the power in the first place to use it to negate those hits so she is very power hungry um, the only problem in affiliation that that creates is that she is then contending with the slot of a fire threat with the likes of Corvus and Ebony, um, assuming you don't take a gem on Ebony more. But I think there is definitely space for her in there alongside some of those characters to go for some really tall Black Order teams. Yeah, I was thinking 18 with her, Corvus and Thanos would be extremely killing. 
it'd be brutal. One of the ones we um, were talking about, um, sort of in my group, just is that at 20 threat, you take Corvus with the reality, you take Swan with the power, you take more without any gems, and then you take Scarlet Witch, and it's a very angry 20 threat. That does sound very brutal. Yeah, it's not going to be something you want to come for, come up uh, across from on the table. No. Um, so yeah, she's she's very killy, relatively straightforward. Um, I can see a lot of people getting her on the table, getting use out of her more or less straight away. I don't think there's, yeah. you know, there's obviously you're going to get better as you play more with her, but super solid. Supergiant, on the other hand, is a very different character than we've seen probably before. Um, so defense-wise, one, three, four, only five health, and three threat, short move. So, you know, for a three threat, that's not too bad, but there's lots of special rules that will make some of that more interesting. Um, two attacks, both mystic. So, I, you know, I'm trying to think now, Black Order, your standard Black Order doesn't have a lot of mystic other than is ebony more mystic uh ebony more is mystic with his but other than that that is the only one i believe yeah because Thanos is physical energy corvus and proctor are physical energy dwarf is just physical so yeah i think uh more has mystic and now obviously Supergiant has mystic which is pretty cool because it covers all the different defense types absolutely so you're getting quite a bit there um the builder is mental vampire so after the attack is sword, you gain one damage. So it's a flat one damage, not dependent on how much damage you do. Um, yep. But you do have drain life. So if you deal damage, you remove a damage off this character. So that's range three, five dice, not bad. Um, Devastate Intellect, which is her spender, is very interesting. So this is eight power. So you're looking at the likes of the Iron Fist um, yep. as an equivalent here. So you're not going to be doing it a lot. But if the attack would deal damage, it does not. And the target character loses that much power instead. So it's an interesting one that we'll get to the triggers in a minute. If you don't get the triggers, if you deal damage, instead of dealing damage, actually you just reduce the power. So it's not that great on that side. However, you on a single wild, you get stun. On two wilds, you get stagger. And if I'm reading this right, on a crit wild, two hits and two skulls, you get devour mind. And this is after the attack is resolved. If they are healthy, they become dazed. If the target character is injured, they become knocked out. Yeah. It's a very high ceiling. If you get that. I mean, reading this attack, almost devastated my intellect (laughs) (laughs) absolutely crazy um some of the potential situations you have with this i think the 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 main issue is obviously the power to use it It is eight power which is a lot when you consider it's uh sort of four fifths of the maximum power that a character can have um we we've rolled it out a couple of times between ourselves and when you've just got the eight dice, you don't get the um, Devour Mind very often at all. But within Black Order, there are options to fix that and change that, uh, where it becomes a lot more reliable. Yeah, absolutely. So if she's on her flip side, yeah. and you do from Thanos, 
I forgot what decree. it's called now. Death Decree, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're getting up to 14. Uh, sorry, 12 dice, so you get an extra four. And then if you were to put Blind Obsession on at that point, which could easily be worth it if you need to get rid of a Hulk or a Thanos, etc., you're then getting 14 dice. And you've got yeah, a much it, better chance at that point. Bonkers. I personally think having the 12 dice is enough. Uh, we rolled it out five times with 12 dice and hit it every time. So I don't know if that was just luck or what, but that was pretty crazy to see. And I think it's worth mentioning when Thanos is on his injured side and his leadership changes, you can suffer damage for re-rolls as well uh, in affiliation. So sort of 12 dice with the option of re-rolling up to three of them if you've got the health remaining is makes it very likely you're going to get that trigger. So, and it, it's 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 going to be there's going to be times where people are going to come away from games and say that's far too powerful, but there's yeah. going to be many times where it just doesn't happen, and you've pumped all that power in. So I like it. I think it's whether it will make that many competitive lists. I'm not too sure because it is still quite a gamble. But just, I think it's going to scare a lot of people, and I think people are going to be slightly, you know, they're going to try and avoid. So it is range yeah. two, and she is a short mover. So obviously, you know, in Black Order, you've got a way of teleporting her up, but yeah, it's not far from guaranteed. I think, I think that Supergiant does rely on being sort of stood alongside Thanos to get the most out of how she works because he sort of ushers a lot ushers her along and reels people in for her. Um, as I said, once you get the 12 dice with the re-rolls, it's not... I, di- I said very lightly. It's not very lightly, but it's a lot more in your favour if you do so. I think it becomes about a 40% chance with the three re-rolls and 12 dice, which is, you know, it, it, it's reasonable odds. Um, and it's, as you said, some sometimes you're going to come away from games and go, oh, she didn't do anything. And then other games, you'll go, oh, she just KO'd someone out of the blue, just chose a character, and they died. <laughs> and it's just going to be just going to be crazy. Yeah, it can completely swing a game at that point. Um, so then we've got Submit. So this is uh, another X power uh, superpower. And you can spend up to five, and you choose a civilian token within X of this character. And you can interact with it without paying the power cost. So this is essentially a way for them, for her to pick up civilian tokens that are much further away than you would normally expect, which is great yeah. considering she is only short mover. However, um, I'll skip Supreme Control just because it kind of ties in. If we go to Ethereal, if this character would suffer two or more damage from a physical attack, it suffers one instead, but then it drops uh, an objective token if it suffers damage from a physical attack or a collision. Yeah. So it's worth noting um, that it also reduces the damage from collisions down to one. So if you you know you take three damage from a big collision, you are only going to be suffering one. Um, dropping an objective token is not something you want your opponent to be able to make you do. So that is a very large hindrance. But I think in single extract missions with mission objective, you're almost going to be using submit to grab it from afar and then passing it off anyway. Yep. No, there's there's a few bits. And even if you know if you had the five power, you pull it from 
five in, you double yeah, move, you and yeah, two. they make you drop it, but then yeah. it's it's the other side of the board. So I can see it definitely coming up quite a few times. Yeah, you, you, it lets you very quickly move the focus of the game from one side of the board to another. Um, and, and sort of rein back the control over where the action's happening, which is definitely very interesting. Yeah. Then we've got Supreme Control for two. Um, allied character within four would be pushed. This character may use superpower. It is not pushed. So indomitable as a superpower. Yeah, it, it doesn't stop um, throw. throw, sadly. Yeah. Um, stopping pushes is, is very strong, especially uh, from my perspective as a Web Warrior player. You know, sort of the pushes and the pulls are the lifeblood of the play style of control. Uh, being able to shut those down for two power is very strong. Absolutely. Then we've got Omnipathy. Um, yep. When an enemy character within three of this character rolls one or more crits after it's resolved, this character gains one power. Um, yep. And then they can also take the soul jam. So that's the interesting bit, really. Got some great tech, but not a very easy way of getting power. Well, I, I initially thought that when looking at this character card. And when I looked at Omnipathy, I thought, oh, it's like uh, Ghost Rider's ability, but not board wide. But then I realised it isn't just when the opponent's characters roll crits for attacks. It also includes when they roll them for defence. Yes. Also includes when they roll them to interact uh, and for any abilities on cards. So it is every time a model rolls a crit, um, an opponent's model, sorry, rolls a crit within three, which is actually significantly more so than um, if it was just when they're attacking, because this will be when you attack characters, when your allies next to you attack characters, so when the opponent's models try to interact, I think it's going to come up quite a lot um, comparably to Ghost Rider's one. Very very much so, yeah. Um, and I think if if they take the Soul Gem, then they're, they're going to be getting even more power. Yeah, with a Soul Gem, she just becomes an absolute power battery, I think, because, you know, the Soul Gem is... For anyone that doesn't know, it's when an enemy uses a superpower within range four after, uh, not sorry, after, not after, sorry, when when they do so, that character gains a power, which works very nicely with, um, sorry, what's the name of her? Uh, works very nicely with supreme control because you'll get the power to then cancel the pushes if somebody uses one within range four of you, which is very powerful. Ah, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yep, so as soon as they decide to do it, you'll get the power and then you can stop it. Yep. No. I think she's going to be one that people put on the table and you're going to hear a lot of mixed responses. You're going to get plenty of people are going to say that she's absolutely rubbish, she didn't do anything, you know, straight off. I played her in one game and she didn't do anything. Um, and then you're going to get probably a couple of months down the line, everybody's going to say she's too broken because she killed Hulk in one shot. Um yeah. And then we'll probably pan out in the middle where she's just going to be another solid addition to an already very solid affiliation. Yeah. She definitely helps round out the threat values for them. Um, Black Order are lucky in the sense that because they've got the option to put the gems on all of the different characters, barring Black Dwarf, uh, they can almost custom tailor the threat threat of, of their characters, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Who else can take soul in Black Order other than Thanos? Is it can uh, Ebony Moore? Uh, Ebony. So I think Ebony Moore can take space and soul. Corvus can take time and reality. Um, Black Swan can take power. Yeah. Supergiant can take soul. Thanos can take any of them. And then you've got Proxima and Black Dwarf that can't take any of them. So it's a good spread of the gems as well. We're starting to get, you know, um, you potentially get quite a few characters there with gems on. We're getting to the stage where we could realistically see a Black Order roster that has all six of the gems somewhere on their characters. Yes, absolutely. Which is very cool, I think, very thematic to sort of have, you know, a gem bearer's roster, which is the Black Order at the full strength with all of the Infinity style. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Um, and I think just, as you said earlier on, I think these two characters really do give you the chance to run Black Order without Thanos. Yeah. Whether it will be as strong and whether or not it'll be, you know, I, I think AMG's biggest issue is the Corvus Proxima Thanos trio is just so strong that to be able to bring variety in but not make them even stronger is is a challenge. Yeah, it's it's, it's very difficult because, you, as you said, they're already super strong, so how do you change but not add to that? Yes. Um, and I think the answer to that is that you will inevitably not be able to make a Black Order list at 16 threat that is possibly stronger than uh, Thanos, Corvus and Proxima. However, what you can do is give them the options to play different threat values with slightly different builds, which I think is what, what will be interesting to see. Absolutely. Exciting times ahead. Um, I yeah. don't think we've got a release date yet for these. Uh, we don't at the minute. We've just had the panels to play so far. Yeah. Um, so um, who knows when they'll be out, but hopefully soon, and we'll start to see them more and more on the table. Um, if you're on TTS, I think they're already in the mod, or they will be very soon. Um, so I'm sure we'll start to see plenty of people doing that. And of course, I'm assuming you guys are proxying down at Board and Brum. Yeah. We've um, we've just been proxying them. Yeah. We haven't got any, you know, uh, time machine or. Uh, <laughs> early sadly but we've been um using the traditional proxy models which are you know crossbones who is proxy bones so anytime <laughs> we get a model crossbones comes out of the case and uh, he gets to play dress up and act as a new characters for us poor old crossbones <laughs> yeah poor well, bless him uh, but that uh, at least he serves that purpose I suppose. at least he has a purpose yeah yeah and he's, he's not going to be so lonely now in the uh the camp of small booth slow move uh, sorry, small base, slow move, because now he's got himself, Mysterio, and Supergiant all uh, with the smallest movements in the game. Fair enough. So he, he's no longer that, that standout. No, he's no longer the slowest model, just one of. One of, yeah. Okay, excellent. So we haven't seen Heimdall and we haven't seen Scourge, so um, hopefully they'll be coming up in the next week or so uh, as a as Guardian player and Major Than, I will be looking forward to seeing them and seeing what what they bring to Asgard because definitely uh, in need of something. I'm, I'm... Yeah, um, I've, I've heard some rumours about potentially what they're going to be. So the rumours from what I've seen are that Scourge will be a two threat and that Heimdall's going to be a four threat who's a new leader. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they bring to the table. Absolutely. I've, I've... I heard that the two and the four I, I'm slightly disappointed if that's going to be the case because they really could do with some more threes 
Yeah, I, I think in an ideal world, Scourge should be another free threat. And for me, at least, Heimdall should be a six threat who's just an absolute badder. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll see see how they, they come on. Uh, I've seen the box contents. There's only got two team tactics cards. So we'll see how yeah. that goes as well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we exciting times ahead for that. Definitely. So, not last weekend, but the weekend before, um, a number of us, a good number of us, uh, descended on Derby for uh, another two-dayer at Boards and Swords. So, this is the second major two-dayer that I'm aware of in the UK, following on from uh, Element Games, which was the month before. I think it's technically going to be the third, because I remember Element Games had one a while ago. Um, then they've had the more recent one that you're referring to. So awesome. I think it's the third one. Yep, fair enough. Um, but it's good that we've had two in relatively quick succession. Yeah, it's been great to have them sort of almost back to back and sort of be able to jump on that mega event hype if if that's what you're into. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we both went down. Um, and I took my Midnight Suns out for a what I think is going to probably be a final run for a while. Um, I'm, I'm trying to move on to something else, but I keep, keep coming back to them. I was tempted actually to take something completely different down to the two day. And it wasn't until the night before that I decided just to go safe and go back to midnight suns. Revert to back, back revert back there. Revert back to what, you know, <laughs> exactly. I thought for two days, trying something completely different uh, would be too much for me. Um, so yeah, I, I took my standard Midnight Suns list. I put Hulk in. Uh, he came back in after being dropped for the two day, um, and he got quite a run out. Uh, what did you take? Um, I surprise, surprise, ran Web Warriors for yep. the event. Um, so just to quickly run through the characters I had as my core of Web Warriors. I had Miles, Gwen, Black Cat, Moon Knight, and Venom. Uh, then splashed in, I had Toad, Captain America, Sam Wilson, Corvus Glaive with the Reality Gem and Proxima Midnight, and then Hood, just to round out the roster with some uh, Mystic Attacks. Excellent. Um, and as I say, mine was more or less what I took last time, plus Hulk. And I'm just checking now whether or not they're all on Longshanks. I think all the lists went on to Longshanks, didn't they? Um, not for that one, I don't think. I, I don't remember putting mine up. I remember typing my list up with the intention to upload it, but I don't know if I ever actually got round to putting it on there. Fair enough. I'm just having a quick look. To... No. Oh, yes, I did. Yes. So if you want to see yeah, the list. I can see it here, yeah. Yeah. Uh, go and have a look on there. Um, so day one. Uh, I'll quickly go through my uh, day one round. I started off playing against there we go richard ellis um who was running defenders so had a quick chat with richard um relatively uh i want to say new so returning player i think hadn't played much for a while had played a bit before and then hadn't played much and he came uh down with the element game slot um and he was running defenders so running dr strange and we ended up with uh, montessi and demons downtown he was running Strange, Hulk, Wong, and Zemo. And I had Hulk, Blade, Voodoo, and Iron Fist. And right down the middle, 
I could see where this was going. He put Zemo up uh, to start with in, to take the book in the middle. Hulk then went up uh, for me and threw him back towards my guys. I then spent all of Blade's attacks, all of Voodoo's attacks, and all of Iron Fist's attacks into him. And it was only Iron Fist that managed to finally daze him. It was just utterly ridiculous. I, I whiffed, or when I actually rolled something different, decent, with his rerolls, uh, he was able just to more or less save everything. So I was starting to get a little bit frustrated then because I thought this perfect plan shouldn't go wrong. But I did manage to daze him in the end and steal his book. Um, his Hulk threw my Hulk off the, the middle demon. And then from that point onwards, I was able to quickly KO Zemo. I was able to go and daze and KO Wong. And I think I just he just ran out of characters then. Uh, he kind of focused on trying to kill my Hulk, but um, was in a, unable to finish him off near the end. Put the portals on turn two, which was, I think, based on where he put them, was probably to my advantage. So he, he put it midway between his back point and the middle, coming up to my back point, but it just let me move all my characters off my back point and just cycle them around. So that one finished 16-5 uh, to myself. Um it was a really good game, really good opponent, um, you know, learning it as he went. Um, and it was good to have Hulk versus Hulk. I was tempted to put my Doctor Strange on the board as well. As well. Um, and we could have had a, almost a defenders off, but I, I chose to go with Voodoo and Iron Fist instead. Round two, I then played Christian Sales, who I was looking forward to playing because, as I mentioned, I'm looking to go into Asgard. And he was running Asgard and Dark Dimension. And I thought, excellent. I'll go play Christian. I'll hit him up and ask him how he plays Asgard. I'll see how he does it on the table. Uh, he is currently the top Asgardian on Longshanks. So I thought, well, find find out all the tricks in, with him. And we ended up playing Mutant Extremists and Deadly Meteors at, I think we were at 14 threat. Yeah. And he pulled out Dormammu. Which completely shocked me, I must admit. I thought, 14 threat, there was no way he was going to go with Dumamu. Um, and he pulled out Dumamu, uh, Miss Marvel, and Miles, uh, which kind of caught me off guard slightly because I, that's not what I was expecting at all. Um, and I had Moon Knight, Black Cat, Voodoo, and Blade. And the story of this one was quite simply because it was. Uh, mutant extremists i think he went up and tried to flip the one on my right it wasn't there i went into the middle it wasn't there and so he yeah. just walked dumamu off to my left picked it up and was like come and get it off me um which which was interesting and because of the combination with it extremists and meteors they're both all or nothing so first round was yeah. five nil to him Second round, Black Cat went and stole it, so it was five all. Third round, he killed Black Cat, took it back. It went fifteen uh, ten. Then the following round, I managed to get it back off him with Voodoo. At that point, had enough power to uh, take it back off him, um, but I was unable at that point to flip enough of the traps. Moon Knight murdered uh, Miss Marvel on one flank. It was just the two of them, and I put blind obsession on him and he just blitz through her quite easily um but then i just ran out of models he just slowly chomped through me and then he brought i think he brought miss marvel back uh, near the end 
Uh, so I, ju I just ran out of models at that point. Dumamu, because I had to get close to him to get it off him, every time I got close enough to get it off him, he'd just kill me. So that finished 169. Um, yeah, it sounds like it was quite uh, the game of attrition there then. Absolutely. It, it was all about, you know, on the right-hand side, I easily won that point off Miss um, Marvel. And then it was just the middle and the left. And he was able to get across with Miles. Miles having all that power is fantastic. You know, being able to web swing just with ease. Um, yeah, web then, swinging every turn sounds like the absolute dream. <laughs> yep, he's just flying all over the place. And Dumamu was pumping out quite a bit as well. So well played to Christian. It wasn't what I was expecting. That's only the second time I've ever played against Dumamu. And I think I slightly underestimated him a bit. It's um, it's quite interesting. I'm still yet to ever play against him. I don't think I've ever played him once, um, which is pretty crazy, considering <laughs> the amount of games that I managed to get in. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever played against him. You rarely see him, but although there were, I think Christian wasn't the there only was, one running him in that event. There no, were two there or three others. Christian and Dan Humpage had him as well. I don't know if there was a third or not, but there were definitely two. Yeah, so. There we go. Um, so, yeah, that went 16-9. We did, in fairness to Christian, then have a really good chat afterwards about Asgard, and he was telling me what he did, how he ran them, um, and, and what he got out of them. And I got some good hints and tips from him on that. So I have to say thank you very much for that. That took us then into round three on one and one. And then I played Peter Sidaway. Uh, of mid-table obscurity. Yeah. Um, and he was running Black Order, and we had Mutant Extremists and Intrusions. Um, and we went 19 threat, and he was running the, the classic 16 threat of Thanos, Corvus, Proxima, as we just said, and Shuri as well. And I was running... I put Doctor Strange in for this one, um, just because I wanted to be able to push them around a little bit more and hopefully get off uh, the activation, the Mystic Binding. Uh, I also had Blade, Black Cat, Loki, and Iron Fist. So Iron Fist again was in there to do the Iron Fist, and Loki there just to be Loki. That's what he's, he's in my roster for, just to play against Thanos. Yeah, th this game was um, really close for you, wasn't it? Looking at it, did it end 13-12? 13-12, absolutely. I think we were one of the last people to, to finish in this round. Um, it all came yeah. down to the right-hand side. I remember waiting for you guys to finish, <laughs> but we could all play uh, the board games together after. I, that was it. Um, yeah, it all basically, it all ended up on the right-hand side because, again, that's where we found the, the extremist. I think Shuri ended up picking it up, and I sent uh, Iron Fist over because of the flying kick, so I thought I could get over there and maybe try and do some stuff. Thanos obviously pulled... Uh, somebody in and he chose Iron Fist, I think it was. Uh, didn't manage to daze him straight away. I think he had to rely on um, maybe even be Proxer had to finish him off. But yeah, dazed him round one. Loki caused a bit of problem. Um, as I say, Doctor Strange was in there causing some problems. Black Cat stole it off um, whoever had it at the time. So it was super close, and we, we kind of matched each other score for score. I went up in round two, uh, six, three. Then we 
kind of got equal. Then I got ahead again on round five. I was up by one point um, at the end of round five, 11, 12. And then just that last one, um, he was able to, I basically needed, uh, Corvus got the, uh, the mutant extremist and ran away. And then I needed uh, Blade essentially to daze Thanos to stop him from scoring a point. Was this round six as well, I assume? Yeah, round six. So it all came down to this. Right down to the wire, yeah. And essentially, uh, Doctor Strange did Mystic Binding on Corvus, so he was activated, so he couldn't do any damage, which was great. But, oh no, sorry, he did it on um, Thanos, so Thanos couldn't move everybody around, but it meant that Corvus could run away with the, the token, which I had to accept. And then Blade needed uh, to essentially one shot Thanos, so I think it's only taken one damage. The first attack he did, he had enough power for two Knight of the Dampniers. The first attack he did, he did one damage, even with the... Uh, I didn't get the rerolls because he didn't have bleed at that point, but still, uh, you know, seven dice, I was hoping to do more than one. And then the final roll, I got... Uh, I think I did seven... Uh, six. Um, six or seven successes, and I think he was able to survive on one just by reducing it by one. So the first one I was like, well, I've got no chance. And then I had a really good roll with nice crits and re-rolls, etc. And I just missed out by one. Had I managed to daze him, which was always going to be a, a tough ask, then would have uh, been able to, to daze him and then take that point and win. But as it was, Blade was already injured. So Thanos took the point and uh, was able to win. Oh, it sounds like it definitely came right down to the end then <laughs> with some Black Order shenanigans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, how I like the game to come down to that very last roll. Peter was absolutely excellent. Um, it was a really good game. Uh, Black Order is always a tough one, um, but I think Loki does make it a little bit easier, so he's definitely staying around. Yeah, Lo- Loki seems to be the go-to at the minute. Um, a lot of people seem to have thrown him into the rosters to sort of help with the Black Order matchup, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and one of the things I found actually was Loki with Doctor Strange giving him the two extra defense dice and doing I am a god, rolling yeah. five dice counting blanks. He took that a hell of a pounding. Like sounds like a right pain to deal with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, you know, he was putting Corvus into him with all his stuff, and I was just like, yeah, I'm blocked five. Yeah, no. just like... no. um, so, yeah, it, it was a really close game, that one. Um, really enjoyable. Uh, so finished the day on 1-2. So not a great start to, to the weekend. But how did you go? So um, my first game, I was up against Nige from the sort of element lot. Um, I'm, I'm sure you know Nigel. You've yep. might have played him at some point. This was um, the first time me and Nigel had ever had a chance to roll dice at each other. Uh, we rolled up and we ended up with one of my favourite combinations of missions, not because it's good for my roster, but because it's complete, completely thematic. Uh, we had Spider-Infected and Portals Overrun City with Spider-People. So there were webs everywhere, Spider-People everywhere, and it was absolutely great as a web warrior. Um, it was a pretty close game. I didn't take as many notes as you seem to have, as I didn't realise I'd be joining you today. I'll take more. Um, it ended 17-9 to the webheads with sort of a big swing in the last turn for me. Um, it was a really enjoyable game. Credit to Noidge. As I said, it was the first time we played. And he was running his Brotherhood of Mutants. 
But rather than using Magneto, he had Mystique, which was quite interesting to see. So he had, um, uh, it was 18 threat. I'm just trying to remember what he had. I know he had Mystique. I'm 99% sure he had Sabretooth. Uh, so that's seven. And then on the other flank, I think he had Rogue as well. Uh, I can't remember the entire roster, but it was, it was definitely interesting to come up against sort of a wider variant of a Brotherhood list rather than sort of the super tall list that we see quite often and that, uh, you know, a lot of people down at Boarding Brum are running at the minute. Yep, no, there's still, there's still definitely uh, an option to run Mystique and uh, I do think it's somewhat overlooked at times. I think people just yeah, go definitely. with the obvious. I, I think that's the... Um, that was almost what was happening for a while with Avengers, sort of when Sam Spam was everywhere. Yeah. And now people have taken a moment to step back and gone, actually, Steve's leadership's really good. And now you see more Steve-led Avengers, um, at least from what I've seen, on the table, which is interesting. So maybe we'll see, you know, swing around to the wider mistake lists. I, for one, think that they're very strong and that they've got the potential to do really well. Um, I don't think there's been anyone that's took the time to sort of figure them out, really. So it'll be interesting to see if some tricks come out of the bag uh, with them moving forward. Yeah, and it's, it's that if you can nail it down so that you've got a roster that can flex either way, it gives so much more options, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, having sort of the, having the ability for your opponent to not know what you're going to play and what sort of style of play yeah. um, they're going to come up against is part of why Thanos is so strong splashed into rosters like Guardians because you don't know if you're going to go up against a super wide list or whether you're going to go up against a tall list um, and I think that's a really powerful thing to have in sort of uh, sort of as part of your roster yep absolutely so uh, game two I came up against Pete that you played from mid-table obscurity oh yeah um, we ended up playing the threat value that you never want to play when you're playing against Black Order. So we had 16 threat. Uh, we had Research Station and Cosmic Invasion. So we'd a- I actually didn't get a choice <laughs> in whether we played 16 threat or not because I believe they're both 16 threat missions. So I made my roster sort of knowing going into it what Pete was going to run. So Pete obviously went with Thanos, Corvus and Proxima. And I took um, all five webheads, I believe. So I had Mars, Gwen, Black Cap, Moon Knight, and Venom. Oh, no, sorry. I didn't have uh, Moon Knight. I took Sam Wilson instead, I think, um, just for some cheeky pushes on Corvus and Proxima. Um, this game was quite close in terms of the attrition game. But in terms of VPs, I managed to run away with it quite quickly. So uh, the game ended 17-3 to the webheads. Um, which is always nice when you go into a matchup that you're not really sure how you're going to get on, which it is definitely the case when you come up against the dreaded three of Black Order at 16. Pete, yeah. um, it was a pleasure to play. Obviously, he joined us after uh, for some board games, and I think he came with us for food. I can't really remember. All I remember is how, how much food there was. So uh, it, it was a pleasure, again, as always, to play somebody new that I haven't played before and to meet someone new in the community. Absolutely. Uh, and then for round three, it was me and Ron. So uh, the Ron Liftbuster Walker is he now he's on a uh, long chance after huh. a rather eventful experience, <laughs> <laughs> which sort of made more weekends. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, Ron managed to break the lift and overload the weight limit <laughs> at the hotel. 
which was um, very comedic, quite funny. And Ron obviously took it in his stride uh, and is now the lift buster on Longshanks. So uh, Ron and I played um, 17 threat. Uh, I think I had priority and we ended up playing Spider Infected and Riot Spark. Um, Ron wasn't happy to have to play that secure as I know it's the one he was least looking forward to playing out of the ones in my team. Uh, nevertheless, we built our teams and it was a really close game. Uh, I think Ron almost KO'd the majority of my team. I, I believe I only had two or three of my original six models left at the end. Um, luckily, I was able to pull out the win and it ended 18-14 to the webheads um, as I just managed to keep hold of enough spider infected and use my pulls to keep him off the points long enough that I was able to score all of the VPs that I needed. I think if it had carried on, though, um, I was definitely in a spot above her as I hadn't done a lot of damage to Ron's team as I'd been more focusing on mitigating what I had incoming rather than focusing what damage I was putting out. Um, as always with Ron, it was a great game. Um, and it's it's really interesting to see how well he's getting on with Convocation because in the end, Ron went 5-1, and one, um, only losing to myself. Um, and came second in the event, which was really impressive with Convocation. I don't think he'd really played them before either, as Ron just, Ron just likes to take different rosters on a, on a whim, which is something I could never do personally, so hats off to him. does seem to be able to make most things work, doesn't he? Yeah, he, Ron's a really, really good player, and um, he's currently going for the badge on long chunks, just where you play all the different affiliations. So I'm sure he'll get that in no time. Um, he, he just seems to do well with whatever it is he takes yeah no absolutely so that was the end of day one so you were yep. sat at the top 3-0 and um, yep. and then as you mentioned we went downstairs in Board and Swords and played a couple of board games for a bit and then we went Anth had organised some burgers at Annie's and um, yeah. this is the second time I'd been to Annie's but I think for a lot of people this was the first and um, I'm not sure everybody was sure what they were getting themselves into um but you get a fair whack of amazing food there don't you yeah so um i ordered a lot but <laughs> i know i was making a point of saying that i'd ordered a lot so i had my uh, my burger with sweet potato fries then i had a side portion of curly fries i had a side of onion rings uh, a side of chicken strips with barbecue sauce and a few different dips, and it, it was really good to be fair. Um, definitely meant I, did, I, I felt full up for a while after, which is always good. Um, had the brisket burger, which was interesting. I'd never had brisket before, so that was it wasn't what I expected, but it was nice. So, um, first time at Annie's went well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely love that place. We went, um, previously when Anth, me and Anth had been down to Board and Swords previously, he'd take me across and I'd. Um, I knew the size of the orders of uh, the sides, so I, I didn't bother with any because I, I realised the burger was going to be more than enough for me, um, and I'd stole some ant sides. But yeah, yeah, absolutely excellent food. I think everybody enjoyed themselves, and it was good to get. There was about 15, 16 of us in the end. Yeah, loads of us. It was good to have that social aspect and sort of have a laugh and get to know everyone a little bit more that I hadn't already played as well. Yeah. And then we went for a couple of drinks in town and then we headed back to the hotel and yourself and Quinn then explained Marvel Champions to us. 
Um, so I'd taken my Marvel Champions down. I'd had the box for a while, but not really got many games in. And me and Amp on the Friday night in the hotel had tried to work it all out. And we'd, we'd got most of it in the end, but um, didn't really know what we were doing. And then we managed to get ourselves with Tony in the Elements uh, Games group uh, sat downstairs. And kind of you walked us through it all and organized some of the decks. And we had four players playing in the end and um yeah it was really good fun we managed to defeat rhino yeah mum it was um it, it, it's always good to introduce newer players to a game system regardless of the game system and marvel champions is one that i picked up pretty recently and i've had a blast playing and uh you guys all seem to enjoy it so i think it's definitely something we'll be doing a lot more often on the saturday nights of two-day events if we're all there <laughs> Absolutely. It's definitely, I've played a couple of games since, just in solo mode and a couple of games for my uh, seven-year-old son, which have been interesting, to say the least. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I'm interested in playing more of. And like you say, it's the perfect one for midway through a, a two-day event, because it's still Marvel, but it's something different that you can just play in the hotel. Um, so it sort of helps to keep you very in touch with the universe and the game system almost, because as you said it's still marvel um i don the character of venom in marvel champions because that is the way i just have to play as venom whenever possible so it's really fun to be able to keep in that universe and play something else it's also a really solid system and it's cooperative as well so you know it's a lot more relaxed which is always great after you know three or four tournament games absolutely and I said it uh, to Anth, I think, on the way back, and although it sounds obvious when you say it, it was the number of cards that have got the same names as Team Tactics cards or superpowers. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, which kind of makes sense when you think it through because it is just iconic lines from Marvel. But, um, yeah, there were so many things that came up. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that from that. <laughs> so The artwork as well. There's lots of crossover with the different artwork on the different cards as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. So moving into day two, um, didn't see too many hangovers. I don't think it would have been that heavy a night drinking. So um, that's something we still haven't quite seen yet in the uh, the MCP world, but I'm sure we'll get there eventually. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I played uh, John Donaldson running X-Men. Uh, yep. And he was running his Storm leadership. Uh, we ended up with Fear Grips, uh, so Hammers and Demons Downtown at 19 threat. So I was running, and uh, I took terrible photos this time around. Moon Knight Blade, Ghost Rider finally made an appearance, uh, Voodoo and Iron Fist. And he had X23, Rogue, Beast, Gambit, Storm and Magic. I was a little bit worried about this one because there's some solid characters in there. And I know X-23 has been, been a bit of a bane of my life recently with quite a few people up here running her. Um, when, she, 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 when she gets going, she's just brutal. She's just a menace. She's just an absolute pain. Yeah. Um, so we kind of, I, I edged into the lead. We both got a couple of hammers and I think I managed to get the middle point. Uh, the incinerates made a massive difference. Um, and I think we were relatively equal until I think turn three I had it was my siege turn there were a couple of people incinerated and I just managed to daze the vast majority of his team and pick up lots of hammers Um, so I managed to score I think at that point six points and I don't think he scored anything 
I think there must have been hammer on the ground at that point. Um, and then it finished off with me going to 18-7, I think it was in the end. Um, I think it was a lot closer than the scoreline suggests. I think it was just that one turn where I was able to just daze enough um, and then pick pick them off. Storm hung around at the back being a pain. X-23, I think, was still alive. Gambit, I was slightly concerned about, but I managed to push him away enough to keep him out of out of trouble. Um, so uh, a good start to the day. Then we moved to game uh, five. Yep, round five. I'm starting to lose track of where we are now. Uh, and I was playing another defender, uh, Ian Adam. Uh, sorry, Ian Adams. So again, relatively new player. I think this was his first tournament on Longshanks. Um, and after the success of the last one with Hulk, I, I ended up going back to Hulk. So we were playing Scrolls and Gamma Wave, which was interesting because I hadn't played Gamma for quite a while, actually. Um, and he had both his heroes for hire. So he had Iron Fist and Luke Cage, Doctor Strange, Wong, and Captain Marvel. And then I had Hulk, Blade, Iron Fist, and Doctor Voodoo. So a bit of an interesting one with it being the cross, you know, a C and an E. Um, and Gamma, obviously, can get can get away from you at times if you're not careful. Um, yeah. Slow to start with, I managed to, to edge into the lead. I don't think anybody really looked for the, the scroll for quite a while. It was one of those ones where we just kind of ignored it and just focused on the gamma. Eventually, I managed to find it. I can't remember who picked it up, but I was able to find it. And essentially, I managed to get Hulk onto the back point, killed Wong, threw people off. Um, So the points very quickly escalated to the point where I managed to win that one 22-3. So uh, it's always the problem with gamma and that combination. I think it may have even been Hulk that ended up picking up the the scroll in the end um and he just he just be was able to do what he needed to do i think he took quite a bit of damage early on so he was rolling quite a few more dice um but he just helps to get him going doesn't it once he's in sort of that sweet pot where he's not really in danger but he's getting a couple of extra doors yeah and i think it was a i was able to activate him at the right times to protect him and yeah essentially yeah he was i think he was around 14 15 health for a couple of rounds um which really benefited me because i was getting lots of extra dice a couple of i med packed him at one point to keep him going and then i was able just to any immediate threats get rid of them um so that was uh, uh, a lot closer than the the scoreline suggests but with gamma if you're not careful it just it just gets away from you really um, so moving into the final game at this point on 3-2 so had the chance to either go 4-2 or go nice mid-table middling and I came up against another X-Men so I'd ended up playing two X-Men and two defenders um, which well, <laughs> not often you get that I must admit yeah that's a very unusual combination of people to play against <laughs> yeah it's not it's not what I teched for going into it that's for sure um, yeah definitely not and again, we got... Well, that's recorded that wrong. Um, we were spider-infected and... Um, deadly meteors. 
for some reason in Longshanks it says Gamma, but it definitely wasn't Gamma. Um, this was another super close game. Uh, it came down to the wire. I think I managed to get ahead by taking the the middle spider infected, but quite a few of the movements of the spider infected were critical. You know, just happening at the wrong time. Um, yeah. He was able to race into quite a, an early lead by getting the deadly meteors, um, and I think he must have he must have got the middle point in fact because he went six two up early oh, doors. Okay. So I was starting to get panic a little bit. Um, yeah, six two so early on is definitely the point where you start to go, okay, I need to do something about yeah. this. <laughs> too early to really know what that thing is, isn't it? Um, and then I managed to pull it back to uh, what was that seven nine uh, going into three. He managed oh, okay. to pull ahead again into four, and again it, with deadly meteors, you know you That's get them or you don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was quite a, a brutal game in the end. Um, we finished. I think we went into round five on sixteen all. So it was round six that was going to make the the key difference. Yeah. Um, and I was able just to do enough to get the win. I can't remember exactly. I think he, he failed a couple of um, attempts to flip the meteors. And it all came down to the left-hand side. Um, and I can't remember who it was. But he had one of his uh, guys needed to get across to my left and flip it and wasn't able to. So I took that at 21.18. So finished overall with 4-2 which going into it, I would have been more than pleased with. Um, and after day one, I was definitely very pleased with. Um, and I, for the first time in a while, perhaps because it was a two day and got the extra games in, I think I managed to use everybody in my roster. I don't oh, wow. normally get to do that. So I was quite it's pleased with that. Not very often that that happens, is it? Because there's always a couple in your team that are very specific matchups. Absolutely. Loki's there for the Thanos matchup, which I got. Um, yeah. Doctor Strange doesn't normally make it out, but he turned up in a couple of games. So, yeah, it was um, good to, to make sure I got a use of everybody. Um, Ghost Rider didn't didn't appear as much as, oft, as I usually do. I, I normally rely on him a lot more, but um, I was glad I was able to, to mix and match just to, to make it work for me. Nice. Well, it sounds like you had a really good spread of games, not necessarily affiliations, as you said, playing defenders and... Uh... X-Men twice, but good spread of games and a good spread of opponents, which is all you can ask for, really. Absolutely. It was a, a fantastic weekend with, with six really good opponents, um, six really great games, to be honest, which is all you want. Exactly. So you uh, started the day of round four against? Uh, so round four, I was with Quinn. Um, who I'd just spent the night with in a non-intimate way. I've realised how that happened. Uh, yeah, me and Quinn shared a hotel room, and that, that's all that was. But, uh, yeah, so we played for game one. Uh, I think Quinn won priority, and we ended up playing Montessi Formula and Spider Portals. So I chose that we'd play 18 threat rather than 17. Uh, Quinn was running um, Guardians of the Galaxy with Thanos. And Quinn chose to go with Star-Lord, Drax, Gamora, and Thanos, um, which I'd already said to him at the start of the game, I was like, oh, I know what you're going to take, because I've seen his roster enough times and seen him play enough times at that prep value to know that that is what he'd be running. Yeah. So I went into it with six free threat characters. So I think I had Moles, Gwen, Black Cat, Moon Knight, 
Sam Wilson and Proxima because uh, with it being spoiler infected, I wanted to be able to run around and get the points. Yep. So we, we played that game. Um, I managed to run away with it a little bit towards the end and the final score was 20 to 8 with the Web Warriors. And I think Quinn struggled mainly because uh, my answer to Guardians and Thanos has become a combination of Sam Wilson and Proxima as they just can't chew through the defences without getting quite a few spikes. So for those that don't know, uh, Proxima Midnight has martial prowess, which lets her roll five defence dice instead of three. Um, and if she doesn't take any damage, she deals two damage back. And Sam obviously has Captain America's shield, which lets him add two dice to his defence dice for both physical energy attacks. So what happened was Thanos and Gamora ended up spending three turns just trying to daze and KO Proxima. Uh, they did in the end, but at that point, it, the rest of the table was my four Web Warriors versus Drax and Star-Lord. Uh, Quinn just wasn't able to keep up on the points, so like I said, I did run away with it. It was a really good game, as me and Quinn always have. Um, just so happened that we, we got drawn against each other round one. Usually we end up playing sort of in the final game of the day, but it was a, it was a great game. Guardians are becoming the bane of my life. They just seem to be absolutely everywhere. Um, having Thanos in there as well is really strong. And I think the guardians are the ultimate in support teams for big, larger threat characters. So I think if you want to center your team around someone like Thanos or Hulk, uh, guardians is the place to do it as I've got so many cheap models and the wing unit tokens really do help, uh, push those larger models over the edge. Absolutely. There's not many big models that don't want rerolls. Exactly. Um, going into round five, I played Liam Jordan. Um, this was definitely my closest game of the weekend. So Liam was quite new to MCP. He said he'd been playing around three months um, and he was playing with Sam Wilson Avengers. So obviously, as I said, he, was, he, he, he knew his team very well. Um, there were a couple of things he wasn't sure on, so we, we played a, a very relaxed game, sort of, if he had any questions at all about anything, I'd just let him know, and there were yeah. a couple of times where I, I said, why don't you, instead of doing this, do this instead, um, and sort of helped him with some things that he might not have seen himself. Um, not to take away from him at all, he was an excellent player, really good grip of the game, and it's really great to see that after such a short period of time, he, he, you know, someone's picked up the game and he's doing so well. And it ended 16-15 in the end to the webheads. Um, partly, I feel, it was because of the combination of mission was hammers and riots. So that's two D-shaped missions, which means from early doors, you tend to be scoring four points each. So it's really hard to run away with it. Uh, luckily, with Miles and Black Cat, I was able to take some hammers and I ended up with two hammers on Moon Knight and two on Black Cat sort of over on the left side of the table. Um, which meant I didn't need to worry about the portals as much and I could just sort of force Liam to dedicate models to staying out over on the portals in case I chose to run over there and steal them from him. So it was a really good game. It was my first time meeting Liam in person. I think we'd spoke possibly on a WhatsApp group before, but it's obviously very hard to put names to faces when you haven't met people. Definitely the closest game of the weekend and um, good to see that Avengers still have it um, and can still perform on the top tables because the sort of weaned off a little bit going from being absolutely everywhere to sort of, 
you know, other things taking the place as the top dogs, such as Guardians or Brotherhood. Um, but it was a really, really quality game, and I'm looking forward to playing Liam at some future events over at Board and Swords, as I think that is his local. Sounds, sounds like a really like good, him. close game. Yeah, it was great, and um, the main thing is it was super casual, super relaxed. There were some things that Liam wasn't too sure about, so just I, I, I ran him through them, and any questions he had, I tried to help as much as I could. So absolute credit to him because he was absolute gent to play. Excellent. So you're uh, five and zero. Oh. I think you. Yeah. At that point, you were the only person five and zero. Oh? Yes. Yeah, so due to the number of dropouts at the end of round five, there was nobody else um, undefeated. I think there were two other people that there were two or three people that were four and one, um, which were Ron, I think, and possibly Quinn as well. That were both four and one. Yeah. Um, having only lost against me in their games respectively, so. At that point, I suppose some people would argue you could call the event there. However, I wanted to get my six games in. I know a lot of people wanted to get six games in, and that's what we did in the end. And um, I think that's the best thing to do is at the end of the day, everyone there is there to play games. And, you know, there's no point calling it just because there's a defined winner. Because that could have all changed in the final round had I lost my game and Quinn or Ron had won theirs. Then, you know, it would have come down to strength schedule and whatnot. So... It was really interesting going into game six. I got paired against Elliot from my local group. Um, sadly, this was a very, very fast game. Uh, me and Elliot played Legacy Virus and uh, I'm trying to think. It was it was Portals. my Portals over in City. Yeah. Um, so it was a very quick game. Uh, it ended 16-4 to the Webheads as at the end of round two. Um, I think it was... Going into round three, I had a six or seven point lead. Uh, Elliot was very out of position. He'd had some bad rolls in the pools. And then obviously, um, I'd been able to pull him all over the place with more pulls and pushes with the Web Warriors. So at that point, Elliot decided just to call it there. Um, you know, we'd both had six games of Marvel. And it, it, it was, it, it seemed very hard to imagine a situation where Elliot was able to pull it back. So I think that was fair enough to Elliot. Um, you know, we went downstairs, chatted and waited for the rest of the games to finish. And um, that concluded a, a great weekend of gaming. Excellent. Well, congratulations. So that meant you went 6-0? and Yeah, it meant I went 6-0 uh, and overall in the end, um, which made it nice and easy for the podium rather than having multiple people 5-1, and one, which I suppose could have got quite complicated. Yeah, uh, we had something very similar uh, event uh, last weekend. The um, weekend just gone well. Um, we ended up with quite a few of us on three and one because um, I was three and oh and I lost the last round. So uh, it does get complicated. Um, yeah, it, it can make it a little bit harder to figure out the pairings and you sort of have to rely on your secondaries then, which can, which can have some feel bads. I think especially in a, if it was a two day event, had I have lost that last game, it, um, it, it might have created a sort of awkward situation, but it, I don't think it matters too much. Everyone's there to get the games in that, You've almost paid to play, haven't you? Really. So if if you go after, if you go into it looking for six games, that's what you expect. And I think everyone would much rather have the six games and sort of sort out the pairings at the end rather than just call it there because that's what everyone's there to do. Absolutely, I, I, th- I totally agree. I think you know, for for somebody who's normally mid table, um, just because the people at the top have gone, 
you know, it's it's ended up with the numbers being the way it is that there's only one person on five and zero. Oh, it kind of feels like you shouldn't stop it for everybody else, especially no, when you've got all, you know, we had because twenty four, twenty five people in the end. Yeah, there's twenty three people at the end of the day. It's not just about the people on the top yeah. tables at all. Um, everyone has paid the exact same ticket price for the exact same number of games. So I think, like I said, it, it definitely was the right choice to play it out, regardless of the outcome, because you know that's what people are there for, and it's only fair that you get your six games, regardless of where you've placed. You know, I can imagine that it would really suck to have been on the mid tables and have someone come over and go, "Oh, actually, we're going to call it there because some yeah. guy on the tables already undefeated." Like that's not how it should be. At the end of the day, it, it, it is an event, and everyone went there for the same experience. So I'm really glad that. Um, Big shout out to Ian and Jordan and Rob over at Boards and Swords because they always run a cracking event. And I'm glad that they decided to carry on and do the full six rounds. Absolutely. I just think that there should be some, not an insurance policy, but there should be some kind of thing in there that if you've gone 5-0 and and you lose that last one, maybe you don't get to win the overall tr- trophy. But I've seen it before where the person's like, is undefeated lose the last one and they drop to third or fourth i think that's yeah. when it starts to become a little bit oh well and especially when some of the people above you you've beaten on the way to it as well yeah. i uh, think that's that a feel bad doesn't it if, yeah. if you end up close below people that um you've beat earlier on in the event absolutely so I, it is a tricky one i think it is the right answer to play it out whether <laughs> there's something in there that says if you've gone undefeated up to the last game and you're the only person that's undefeated, you can't go lower than second. Yeah. You know, I know, I think Rich has been pushing for that along the lines. And I, I, I can see the logic. The answer to that, for me at least, is, well, what I've been doing for my events, um, I actually ran one this weekend, just gone, is that as I'm the one selling the tickets, I know how many people are uh, attending. It's pretty easy to figure out how many people could potentially be undefeated. So now instead of doing a first and second place, I just do two undefeated trophies, which means that the two players, they yeah. both equally win all four of their games, get the exact same prizes um, at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think that that's a great way to do it. When, you, when you're in that situation where you've got multiple people going undefeated, rather than having first, second, whatever decided on strength of schedule, which essentially you can't control, you, you end up exactly. getting the, the yeah, undefeated trophies. No, that's, that's great. And I mean, you, you can't always plan for the eventualities of having, say, nine people drop out like what happened at Boards and Swords. But there are there are the things you can put in place to deal deal with it. And there are ways that you deal with it on the day of the event, which, as as I've already said, Boards and Swords decided to play out all six, all six rounds, which I think is the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, it was awesome. I mean, that's, I think that's my third time down to Boards and Swords. It's a great place. Really well run events, pizzas, I've, both days. Yeah. I've been there so many times now. Um, so that was my seventh event there, I think. Yeah, seventh event. I really like it because if you podium, you get the little dice with like the engravings on. So that's yep. the main thing for me. No, they, they do some... Uh, Great prizes, different, like you say, you get a little trophy and a dice. They did yep. do best in affiliation, which was awesome. Yep. I didn't expect them to do that, but um, it was great to see that. I got it by default as the only Midnight Suns player, um, but it's always nice to get that. And you get, they do store credit there um, for most of the, 
big prizes as well for painted and I think yeah. first, second and third got got a real emphasis on um, best painting and sporting as well, which is yes. really good. Yep, uh, most sporting. Um, seems to not be as popular in MCP as in other um, games that I've played. Uh, it's good to see that they are doing best sporting, but it's not something that often comes up. Yeah. I think you do at your... I do it at mine. Yeah. I think it's, I personally think it's the best award to get, um, you know, because it, you show that you're embracing what the game's about as well as just trying to win or lose, which is super important. As you said, yeah, it is weird, to be fair, that not many places have been doing it, but I'm sure it'll be something that catches on and moving forward as the tournament scene develops, you'll, you know, you'll have these events that, do more sporting and you'll have some where they might have more of a competitive edge and that isn't something that they do as part of the pack. Yeah, and it's been odd that the places I've been where they haven't had the best sporting have still been extremely sporting events, if that makes sense. You know, it hasn't been, oh, because um, it's super competitive. We were, It just doesn't seem to be something that is, is brought up in a lot of them. So um, we'd like... Like to see it start a crusade, see more best sporting. Definitely. Maybe that's what we need to do a joint effort. Joint effort. Between and Web Warrior Protocols to make sure that every event has a most sporting. <laughs> Absolutely. It would be awesome to see. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming on and going through all those things. If people want to catch you on the socials, what's the best way to get hold of you? So people can find me over on webwarriorprotocols.com. That is the website address for my website. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook under Web Warrior Protocols. Uh, Twitter, I think I, f- I think I'm under the 14th Legion over on there, which is from uh, my Death Guard days. So you, you can find me on the variable social sites. And then on the Savage Lands Discord, which is run by uh, Rich Mid Gaming and I, which is a great place to hang out and talk all things MCP. You know, you can play your TTS games on there with the voice channels and whatnot. So I'm... Um, Really all over the place, to be honest. I get about a little bit in the Marvel theme, um, is the best way to put it. No, absolutely. I, I found that in Marvel, that there's a lot of places that people, there's a lot of channels these days. We've got WhatsApp, we've got uh, Facebook Messenger, we've got Discord, we've got Twitter. You know, it's all over the place. Uh, but it's excellent to see the, the growth of the game the way it is. Um, yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out as well, if that's okay, to um, Boarding Brum. Yep. That's uh, where I host my events. It's where I play my casual games. It's where I started playing Marvel Crisis Protocol in the first place. And they also sponsor the channel. And I've been lucky enough to be able to record the podcast here tonight in the office, sort of out of the way where it's nice and quiet. Um, so big shout out to those guys as well. Excellent. Absolutely. Um, and for myself, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Martin Swaffield. I am on the Discord. I think I'm on Discord as uh, at Tales of Crisis. Um, drop into multiple different channels in there, normally on the Midnight Suns and the Asgard uh, fan server ones, and also in the Savage Lands. And there's a Marvel Champions channel and opened up on Savage Lands, which has been great. Now there's a TTS mod. Yeah, there is indeed. And uh, you can see myself and Quinn and others in there occasionally looking for games and talking about different decks and whatnot as well. Excellent. Uh, final shout out to our sponsors, Bearded Card Trader. As I mentioned at the start, they're, they're currently moving to a different location. So 
once they uh, get reopened up, I'm sure they'll be back running the events and they'll be the place to go for all your card game needs and MCP. So on yep. that note, thank you very much, Aaron. It's been a pleasure it's, as always. Indeed, it's been a pleasure being on and thank you for having me as well. Excellent. And thank you and good night. Good night.